Well, good morning, y'all. As I said, we are um, in the middle of a series entitled The Stuff the Bible Teaches That We Know Very Little About. These are the topics that we people who teach in the church typically try to avoid because we don't know very much about them. But we're taking it on, and what we're going to do is basically just talk through what the Bible teaches about these particular areas, because these are areas of the Christian faith that we really don't have a clear understanding of. I mean, these are the things that, you know, as I talked about last week, these are the known unknowns, right? These are the things that we know exist, because the Bible tells us that they exist, but it really doesn't give us enough information to truly understand everything about it. However, these are things that still have a profound effect on our faith because they're pretty big deals. I mean, it's stuff like the second coming of Jesus Christ that we talked about last week or the Holy Spirit that we'll talk about next week. And this week, of course, our topic is the presence of evil, which is pretty scary stuff. Now, if you've been around here very long at all, you know that I am about as big of a skeptic as they come, and you can imagine the problem that presents from time to time for a founder of a church. Um, But the truth is that I really struggle a lot with uh, many of the things that are presented in the Bible Because, quite frankly, they just seem so unbelievable to me. Take Satan, for example. Right? I mean, do you really expect me to believe in some little evil, angry red dude with horns and, you know, pitchfork and a dragon-looking tail where he wants nothing more than for me to just screw up my life? I mean, it would seem like he would have some bigger fish to fry, excuse the pun, um, than just little old me, right? I mean, and then I am to believe that if he is successful in pulling me over to his side, then I have to spend the rest of eternity with this guy in the fiery pits of hell, which doesn't sound like very much fun to me. Does it to you? It kind of reminds me of my favorite Far Side cartoon. Did you guys like Far Side? Yeah, anybody? I love Far Side. There's two guys sitting on a bench in hell, and one guy just leans over and whispers. He goes, I hate this place. I love that cartoon. Um, but I don't think I am alone in my skepticism. Because when you look at the statistics, there's something like 97% of people surveyed, big number, 97% believe in the existence of God in some form, right? It doesn't mean that they're a Christian follower, but it means they believe in God in some form. Only 37% of those same people actually believe that Satan exists. So it does seem like it is easier to buy into the whole God thing than it does the devil thing, doesn't it? I mean, it seems so unbelievable. So, this morning, 
we're going to explore what is it that we actually know about this guy, Satan? What does the Bible teach about that? And what is it that is the known unknown about the forces of evil? So there's a, you know, there's a lot of music out there that romanticizes the whole devil thing. You know, the devil went down to Georgia and the sympathy for the devil. And it's almost like it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, you know, when we talk about the evil in our lives, that it's somehow, you know, yeah, you know, I'm in bed with the devil or sold my soul to the devil. I mean, a lot of people talk about it, but when you kind of really break it down, it's a little scary. Like, it's, it's a pretty ominous thing. I grew up in a church, a pretty uh, conservative church, that you know had me from the time I was in preschool singing songs like, Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. And you felt like you're almost in the Marines, you know, you're going to go out and kick some devil butt, you know, and you're just going to like fight evil, you're going to take it on, and gosh, I just hate that whole idea that the church, you know, does However, I have to say that in my studies of the Bible and looking at the whole idea of evil and stuff, there seems to be some validity to the idea of doing battle with evil, however it may be different than what a lot of churches may lead us to believe. They um, say it's important to know your enemy when you go into battle, so... The way that I want to start out this morning is to take a quick history lesson about where this guy, Satan, comes from. In various places in the scriptures, we we learn that Satan was actually one of the main angels of God. So when you hear the term fallen angel, it's actually referring to Satan. And when he was an angel, he was given the name Lucifer. And he was apparently one of the big dog's in heaven. I mean, right up there with the great angels like Gabriel or Michael the archangel. However, it seemed like he started getting a little bored with the whole angel thing. I'm sure that it's not an easy life being an angel. And so he sets his sight on going up the corporate ladder. Bottom line is he wants God's job, really, but That position hasn't been available for at least what seems like an eternity anyway. And when you start breaking it down, though, it sounds a little familiar, doesn't it, that, you know, this whole notion of being like God, because it was actually Satan, when you go back in the book of Genesis, who was in the garden, you know, tempting Eve, and he was saying, if you just take a bite of that fruit, you too can be like God. And so Lucifer gathers together a group of angels who follow him in his plan to overthrow God and take over heaven, and he makes a run for the throne, but it seems that he has surely underestimated his opponent, uh, because in Revelation chapter 12, starting with verse 7, it tells the story, and by the way, it refers to Satan as the dragon in this passage. It says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. 
the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. So, not only does it say that Satan was thrown out of heaven, but his followers, who apparently were also angels at the time, were also kicked out on their keisters, and now those are called demons. And it seems like Satan is a really poor loser, and now he's just really, really, really ticked off. Because that passage goes on in verse 12 and says that when Satan was hurled down to the earth, there was a loud voice in heaven that called out and said, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, for Satan is finally gone. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because now the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. And so you say, well, thanks a lot, God. You kicked this guy out of heaven, and now this crazy dude's like running around the earth chasing all of us. That's not very fair. So Satan wasn't strong enough to defeat God or his angels, so now we have a little bit of the kick the dog syndrome, and he starts coming in after us, right? We have now become the target of his evil scheming, and it's like, Satan has a little man complex, and so he's got to bully somebody around that he knows that he can beat up, i.e. us weak, frail, easily tempted human beings. So, in summary, the Bible says that when Satan was cast out of heaven along with his angels, that this follow angel and his fellow demons have been tempting and corrupting mankind since that very first moment in the Garden of Eden when Satan tempted Eve, and it's not gotten any better from that day forward. They are an evil, cunning, dangerous, and invisible enemy that are running around frantically because they know that their time is short, because the Bible promises that in the end they will be thrown into the pits of hell, But if they are going down, the Bible teaches, then they want nothing more than to take you down with them. And this is the basis, this is the foundation of all of evil in the world. 1 Peter uh, 5 puts it like this. It says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of struggle. The Bible talks about the devil a lot. It refers to the devil by such personal names and descriptions as the ruler of demons, the prince of darkness, although I thought that was Ozzy Osbourne. Um, He is identified as the great dragon, the serpent, the roaring lion, the tempter. Fifty-two times in the Bible, he's referred to as Satan, which means adversary. And 35 times, he's called the devil, which means slanderer. The bottom line is, no matter how many times he's referred to in the Bible, we still have very little information about how this whole thing 
works. But what we do know, that he would like nothing more than for you and I to become part of his little merry band of followers. Now, that's a lot, isn't it? I mean, seriously, it's just, again, one of those crazy stories out of the Bible and that makes it really hard to believe. And, And I guess before... Before you say, you know, Darren, I'm just not buying it. I just can't even muster up the faith to believe in something so crazy. I guess ask yourself a few questions. Have you ever really wanted to do the right thing? And somehow, some way, something happened and you just blew it anyway. Have you ever been in a position where you really wanted to have a close relationship with God? And you really wanted to live this, like, you know, good life that God wants you to live? And it seems like just when you start getting close, like, something happens and something keeps you from that once again. Has there ever been a time when you hear a voice in your head saying, you know what, you're never going to amount to anything? So you might as well stay in your little addiction or your sin or whatever it is that you're doing because you just don't matter. When you're laying there in the middle of the night, do you tend to go to the dark place in your head? When you're sitting there all alone and nobody's watching you, And you can do anything you want because you don't feel like there's any accountability and nobody's going to know. What is it that you want to do? Is it possible? Could it be that there really are forces of evil out there that are constantly at work that are against us? We try to create this physical image of the devil and Satan and evil, but what if it's so far outside of our realm that we can't even imagine what it really is like? I mean, it's obvious to me anyway that, you know, Satan is smart enough not to come around looking all hot in those little red tights and pitchfork and, you know, we'd be all like, you know... Something tells me I should stay away from that guy. (laughs) He's just a little off, you know? Evil, it seems to me, what the Bible tries to teach more than anything else, evil is a trap. Evil always disguises itself to look to be something that's good for us. Almost like the Rolling Stones song, Devil in the Blue Dress. Satan wants to look good for you. He wants to seduce you. And it certainly seems to me that evil tries to take the basic stuff of life, and we can break them down, and the church did this a long time ago, in the seven deadly sins, which I'm sure you've heard of, but stuff like pride and envy and anger and lust and greed and laziness and gluttony. 
And if you tell me that you never succumb to any of that, I'll call you a liar. Because all of us succumb to those things at certain times. And we can play games, and we can say, you know, I'm living a good life, and I'm living a moral life, and my life is better than his. But all of us, the Bible teaches, have fallen short of the glory of God. We've sinned. We've all screwed up. And what evil tries to do is to seduce us into believing that all these things are just a very real and natural part of life that we should indulge in. And it's okay. Satan takes the normal pleasures of life that God created for good and subtly twists them into small temptations for sin that eventually lead to evil. Because Satan wants us to believe that it's all going to be okay, right? That sin really is no big deal. And, And just like when he hisses out of the tree in the form of a serpent, you know, with, with Eve, and he tells her that it's not going to hurt you if you just take one bite. It's no big deal if you just do it once. In fact, if you do it, you could be like God. And we like that. We may not think about it in those terms, but we like the power of it, right? We like the control. We like being able to run our lives the way we want to run it instead of what the Bible teaches where we give up our lives and submit our lives over to Jesus Christ, which is what he asked us to do. We like being in control of our destiny and running our life the way we want to run it. We can get used to that idea, right? And when we do, you can almost hear Satan whispering and saying, I got this. Because his goal is not to have you do something stupid once, but to lead you into a lifestyle that will eventually crush your faith. Because the goal of Satan comes down to one thing, just one thing. More than anything else, he just wants us to reject our faith in God. The Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold because he will use that to get into our lives and destroy our relationship with God. He will create a wedge between us and God. And it'll be very slow, but slowly but surely, over time, we'll marginalize God from our lives until we are finally alienated from God. And the Bible teaches us that no matter who we are or where we're at in our walk with God, no matter how many years we can call ourselves a Christian, not one of us are any better than anybody else, and we are all susceptible to the temptation of evil as everybody else. The fight against evil is something that we will have to keep up until the very end. I unfortunately have talked to a lot of people before they've died, A lot of older people who have just told me, you know what, it doesn't get any easier. You constantly, continually have to fight. However, the Bible gives us this other promise. And this promise I cling to in my own life. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 
It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to everybody. We're all in the same bucket, right? And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can beat it. Which certainly gets rid of the whole notion of the devil made me do it, right? It's pretty convenient to be able to blame him. Because the, the Bible promises that he can't make you do anything that you don't already want to do or agree to. Evil cannot overtake us unless we allow it to overtake us. Let me read for you one last passage in uh, the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6. And the Apostle Paul is writing this, basically a warning to the church of Ephesus as he's wrapping up this book. And in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, then stand firm. So Paul says, put on the full armor of God, because he believes that there is something that we need protection from. But the word that Paul uses here for struggle is actually not found anywhere else in the Bible. It's a word that primarily means to wrestle with. And I think that's so important. Because is fighting evil really like this onward Christian soldier thing where we're marching into war? Or is it more of this internal struggle where we are forced to wrestle with and overcome the evil in our life that tries to take us down. The devil isn't out there fighting like they did in the American Revolution, where you know, they stand out in the middle of the field in the middle of the day wearing bright colors, just shooting at each other. It ain't like that. This is where we come face to face with the demons in our lives that haunt us, metaphorically speaking. And we wrestle them down, one by one, over and over and over again, until the very end. And we pray to God that we are still standing there with our faith left intact, standing firm in our faith. Look, here's my take on all this. So, the Bible makes it really clear that there is a Satan. And he's as real as God is real. But the known unknown is that while we may believe he exists, we have no idea what that, what that really looks like. Or how that all really works. Like, I couldn't sit here and tell you that I got a little demon chasing me around trying to get me to do one particular kind of sin. I can't tell you that. 
Or is it maybe more like that Ephesians 6 passage I just read where it seems to allude to the fact that our struggles are against like the context of evil and darkness and the spiritual forces of evil may create a context and we place ourselves in those situations. But there's like this kind of almost like a Star Wars force thing that's kind of constantly in your head trying to drag you away. I don't know. Again, I think this whole idea of the known unknowns really breaks down to the fact that we are so focused in on a three-dimensional physical idea of these things that I don't think that we can break through that to really see what it's really like. All I know is this. However it is working, behind the scenes, I can tell you this. Evil is real. And I've seen it with my own eyes. And unfortunately, I've seen it in my own life. It may not have come in the form of the devil sitting on my shoulder, whispering me, getting me to do something. But I've done some bad stuff in my life that I'm not proud of. I know that I have allowed evil to enter into my life. And when you allow evil to enter into your life, it is really, really hard to get it back out. But this idea of putting on the full armor of God doesn't mean that, you know, with the protection of God, we're charging into the enemy camp and we really are going to kick some devil butt. And, you know, it's not like that. It's more of... Stay as far away from that crap as you can stay. Stay as far away from the enemy as you can. Put on the full armor of God so that when you're not going to evil, but when evil comes to you, that you're ready. That you're protected. That you still can stand firm no matter what hits you because stuff will hit you. It reminds me of a very old story. I think my dad used to actually tell this story, but it was an old story about a wealthy man who was hiring a new driver to chauffeur him around. And so he takes these three guys up on a mountain road where there is a tight curve, and when you get to the edge of that curve, there's a steep drop-off, and you could die if you drop over that. And so he takes them up on this mountain road to see how each of them drive to determine who it is that he wants to hire. And so the first guy that he interviews wants him to show, wants to show him how great of a driver he is. And so he comes up that mountain road, and as soon as he sees that curve, he puts on the gas, he hugs that curve, he gets around it and just perfectly executed. He knows he's done great. The second guy feels the pressure. And so he feels like he has to go even faster. And so when he comes to that curve, he really puts on the gas to the point that as he takes the curve, you know, the wheels kind of come up and he's just hugging that edge. But still, he nails it. And he feels like his chances are really good. But the last guy that gets interviewed, when he comes up to that curve, he slows way down. And he goes over to the middle of the road so that he avoids that edge altogether. And he is the driver that got hired. 
I can tell you honestly that the biggest failures, the biggest screw-ups in my life have been when I was out there trying to get as close to the edge as I possibly could and seeing how close I could get without going over. Just flirting with evil just a little bit to keep it exciting, right? I can tell you that when you look for evil, you'll find it. But I can also tell you that as I've grown a little older and hopefully a little wiser, I see it as a constant struggle to not even get near it. To not even get near what's evil in the first place. To protect ourselves from getting anywhere close to it. I don't even want to know the unknown that lurks out there in the darkness. I don't care to know it. I'm pretty content these days to live a pretty simple, boring life. Squarely in the light of God. I've never heard anyone that I know say, after they have sinned, you know, I'm really glad I did that. Have you? That was a lot of fun. While people may experience pleasure in the midst of doing it, everyone I know that goes through dark times absolutely regret it. And they feel so defeated after it's done. Are you strong enough to lift your head and get out of the dark place? and to put yourself squarely in the light of God where you don't even come close to that stuff. Because the good news of the gospel is no matter what any of us have done in our lives and we all have our past that we don't have to hang our head in shame because God gives us the power to stand firm. And hopefully as we grow, that we grow stronger and smart enough to just stay away from it. So that when all is said and done, Satan will be of no threat to us. Because on that day, we can stand before God, head held high, because we know we have stood firm.